Hello and welcome to episode one of Andrew Barnett's Crowdwork Cast. My name is Andrew Barnett. Thank you so much for downloading. The idea behind this podcast is uh, it's pretty simple. Basically, I'm going to find interesting people and I'm going to start interesting conversations with them using the uh, regular questions that comedians use when they're doing crowd work. So stuff like, uh, what's your name? Where you from? What do you do? So our first episode is a mate of mine by the name of Peter Mizell. Now, Peter is a Sydney-based comic who has been around the Sydney comedy scene uh, basically forever. Um, he's, a, he's an interesting dude, Pete. He's American by birth, uh, Australian by choice, and uh, comic by passion. Uh, and uh, if, you've, if you've had anything to do with the Sydney comedy scene over the last sort of 20, 25 years, um, you'll either know Pete or uh, know him by reputation. He's just one of those guys, uh, a bit of a character, an iconic character on the scene. And uh, as he alludes to at the start of this podcast, Pete doesn't live too far from me. So uh, over the, the last few years, we've spent quite a bit of time together. Uh, we, uh, whenever we're on a build together, we tend to try and carpool. So, uh, so one of us can have a drink at the end of the show, basically. But uh, I also, we also uh, have a lot of interesting conversations when we're, uh, when we're carpooling. So I, I was hoping with this episode that I'd be able to capture some of that magic from the, the carpooling conversations uh, on tape and, and bring it to you. So, um, like I said, he is an interesting guy. Hopefully you enjoyed this, uh, this episode as much as I enjoyed having the conversation with Pete. So here it is episode one with Peter Moselle. I'll try and keep that from happening. Yeah. <laughs> Just going with the, the premise, acknowledging the premise of the podcast. What's your name and where are you from? Uh, my name is Peter Mizell, and I'm originally from New York, but I now live about 15 minutes away from you at Alfred's Point. You do live about 15 minutes away from me, which uh, made you for a convenient uh, first episode, yes. which is nice. <laughs> uh, and thank you, thank you uh, for underscoring the, um, the fact that you are American by bringing uh, a couple of Budweiser beers for us to enjoy while we're recording this. Okay, again, uh, it was a whole six-pack, not just a couple. I mean, don't denigrate my, you know, he brought two beers. Big yeah, beer. no, I've got to do school pickup later, so I'm only going <laughs> to be able to have a couple. Yeah, I have to drive home, actually. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, very responsible of us. Um, so, yeah, originally from New York City, New York. Yes, correct. Okay, so born, are you, are you happy telling, I know you're in show business now, um, and I, I'll, I'll set this up in the, the, uh, in the intro that you are actually a, a stand-up comedian, that's how we know each other. Yes. Um, New York City, are you, are you comfortable, given that you're in show business, are you comfortable telling me how old you are? No, sure. I, I am uh, 66 and three quarters. 66 and three. <laughs> Americans love a fraction, don't you? Well, we're good. I, I could also change it to a decimal, uh, 66 and 0.75. 66 and 0.75. 0. 0.75. See, yeah. And you can read it as and. You can, you can read it as and, but it's not quite right, though, well, is it? Well, it's no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what is that? Why is that? Americans... Is it that just because the American... Um, America hasn't really adopted the decimal or the the metric system the the way the rest of the world has. Is that do you think that's why? Because I've noticed that often. Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, no, we do it because uh, there are twelve months in a year, not ten, to make it easy decimal work. To make it easy decimal. To make it yeah, if it were ten months, you could go point whatever. But uh, since it's twelve, it's difficult to translate that. Some of those months are pretty hard to translate. Fair enough, I suppose. But, yeah, so that's why yeah, I, don't, I, don't I don't know about that. Okay, so New York City, New York. What yes. year? Uh, I was born in 1949. I grew up in an uh, area called Stuyvesant Town, and across the street from Stuyvesant Town was Peter Cooper Village. It housed 25,000 people, um, which is, and it recently sold maybe five years ago. There are 110 buildings. Each building is 12, 13 stories tall. They vary. Uh, eight apartments on each floor, and the whole project sold for Metropolitan Life Insurance for $5.8 billion, the largest real estate deal in the history of the world. Holy dooly. So you, uh, so it was a housing project you grew up in? It wasn't called a housing project, but it, was like a, it looked like a housing project, but it was really, I couldn't have asked for a better place to grow up. It, was on, uh, it, it ran from 14th Street to 23rd Street. Uh, Peter, 20th Street separated Stuyvesant Town from Peter Cooper. The rich people lived in Peter Cooper. Uh, we didn't even have air conditioning. 
Yeah, was, oh, wow. We weren't allowed to because the wiring, when it was built in 1947, I think it was, the wiring wasn't strong enough to hold air conditioning. Oh, that's it. And New York gets quite quite hot in the in Quite the hot plus 110 build brick buildings retaining the heat. So at night, you know, normally it gets cool at night, but in, instead the bricks just release the heat. So there were some nights that were just horrible and people would go to hotels. Oh, wow. Yeah. But well, it, was, it was, look, I could not have asked for better. Um... You know, 25,000 kids. It was built mainly for returning uh, war veterans. And although I'm old, I wasn't one of them, but my dad was. And um, so there were a million kids to play with, millions of kids. It was just fantastic. You never had to worry about, gee, I've got no one to play with. So I suppose, yeah, you're part of that classic, as they call, baby boomer generation. Yeah, that's where right. The guys that came back from the war and then everyone settled down, had their families. And that's so you great. would have been... Yeah, I suppose that that is a, an amazing thing. But so in that environment, like... Um, like obviously fairly densely populated, and we're talking Manhattan. I take it Manhattan, as I say, yeah, Fourteenth Street to Twentieth Street, First Avenue to the East to the East River. So now it's considered Midtown. When it was built, it was an area of they, they tore down all these slums, uh, or that's what they called it. They may have used an excuse, but all these, like you see old pictures of New York and all these houses with with um, fire escapes and uh, clotheslines in the back. It was called Gasoline Alley, but there were a lot of places that were called Gasoline Alley, and they just tore that down and built this. And it was just an amazing thing, and uh, the rents were... I mean, think about it. It's, it's now midtime and having the rents were very reasonable. Uh, a friend of mine... A few of my friend's parents still live there, and the apartments, when, they, when somebody dies, uh, the apartments go to market value. But if you were an old tenant there under the Metropolitan Life Insurance thing, you get to keep your old rent. So people paying like $600, $800, $1,000 uh, a month kind of thing oh, for, wow. their, for their apartments. And my friend's mom, still, they still have the same phone number they did when, um, when I was calling him in the 1960s. Any more digits? or No, same digits, it's, but instead of having OR792192, Please don't call her. She's old. Um, <laughs> they've switched to numbers, all digits now. But it was Oregon 79219 or something like that. Oregon, Oregon 7. Yeah, o- Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. Our phone number originally was Algonquin, AL4, whatever. I can't even remember now. And then they switched it to the Oregon pre- prefix. Who knows why? What was what's behind the, the, the letter? Just easier to remember, I suppose? Or? Yeah, it was, and it really was. It, it really was a lot easier to remember. You had two letters and then uh, uh, five numbers as opposed to now. And here, then, they threw in an eighth digit in this country. Um, but everyone has nine. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't, quite, don't quite get it. <laughs> so you're, um, so you're growing, up, growing up, obviously, in, in that area. Was, it, was there a lot, of, like a lot of kids, obviously, a lot of yeah. areas set aside for... Like now, obviously, with all developments, there's a big emphasis on we're going to have parks and public spaces, that sort of stuff. Yeah, there what, were 12 playgrounds. And it's probably the only neighborhood where if you meet somebody from the area, you go, what playground did you hang out at? So oh, really? Playground 10, yeah. Because I, I, I was, um, used to hang out at Playground 1, and, but then when I was nine years old, I got beat up by the Sweeney Gang. The Sweeney Gang? The Sweeney Gang, yeah. By the way, uh, the... Uh, Is this back when the Irish were troublesome? In my neighborhood only. I mean, yeah, that's when the Irish, these, these guys all became cops. In fact, John Sweeney, the last I heard, was a police captain, in, um, and, a, and apparently quite a good one. But in those days, um, they had a good reason for beating me up, because apparently, in spite of my protests, I had killed Christ. Um, and I thought I had a pretty good alibi for that day. I was in, <laughs> I was in Navarrete. Yeah, you were, uh, you were um, probably... You know, the better part of two thousand years off being born. Just missed it, yeah. Yeah, so obviously that um, that that's a reference. You're Jewish, yes. Cool. So, and was that a like? So were you? Was was New York divided in that sort of? Stuyvesant Town was. Uh, Stuyvesant Town was all white, by the way. I oh mean, really? Yeah. Again, uh, twenty five thousand people. Is that all why white. you call it the good old days? <laughs> I call it the good old days because I had good knees, good hips. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so so it was. So I became a refugee from Playground One and went to Playground Ten. And and who was at Playground Ten? Mostly Jewish and a lot of other and a, a few um, Protestants, because Stuyvesant Town in New York City, uh, whole Stuyvesant Town was mostly uh, Jewish and Irish Catholic. Oh wow! So and that it's probably schools. back in back in the days when that that distinction between Catholic and and Protestant even actually meant something. Yeah, that's right. I suppose like and um, and so like 
That's that's interesting. So you you grew up in a, in a Jewish part, and your your parents like were they are they? My parents were refugees. Refugees. Where from? My mom was from Austria, and my dad was from. Uh, oh, what's what what caused her to leave Austria? Oh, that pesky, <laughs> that pesky Nazi thing. Uh, and my dad was from Czechoslovakia. Oh, well. Uh, which is... Actually, when he was born, it was the Austro-Hungarian... Uh, Austro-Hungary. Yep. Then it became Czechoslovakia. And now where he would have been born was the Czech Republic. So he could have traveled the world without leaving his house. That's amazing. He could have been three different countries. So when did, when did, they, when did they hit the U.S.? Uh, good question. Uh, my mom first went to Palestine... My dad was in France. My dad was in the last ship, the, the last ship that left France. Um, uh, so I guess early 40s, maybe late 30s. My mom left, my mom left uh, Austria, I think, after Crystal Night. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's... Um, did, you, did she ever, like, I oh, know, obviously... And it's different generations, I suppose. Obviously, they didn't... Um, that generation weren't as big on talking about things they'd seen and heard and done and did she ever talk about that she talked about what it was like i mean uh, she said the she didn't know i mean she went to school i mean my my parents weren't particularly religious i'm certainly not religious uh but my parents would go my mom went to school first day of kindergarten she was called you know dirty jew and stuff like that so then she realized it wasn't great my parent my dad though he didn't um Again, almost non-Jewish whatsoever. So he he didn't really see it as much as her. But my dad almost spoke nothing. Like he he was a war hero. I mean, Bronze Star, and I have no idea what he did. Fighting for the U.S. or uh, first actually first for the French. He was in the French Foreign Legion, and I say the last ship out. The Foreign Legion. Yeah, he was. In the oh Foreign wow! Legion. I wonder what wonder what uh, his background was before that. In that, and he spoke seven languages. Spoke seven languages. How many do you speak? I barely speak one. Yeah. Although although my, I can say I mean. My parents spoke a lot of German in the house, and if you have, if there are any German listeners, the one phrase I remember hearing from both of them constantly was "Du bist ein Trottel," which is a nice way. Of, no, not a nice way. It's, it's a German for "You are an idiot." Yeah, <laughs> so it's not so much a nice way of saying it. It's it exactly a, the way of saying it. As a less it. understandable way of That's saying right. it to a child who doesn't speak German. So my dad spoke seven languages. I can say you're a stupid little boy, pretty much in seven different languages. Oh wow! Vous êtes un idiot. What were the Stupido. <laughs> what were the languages? Uh, well, pretty much the normal ones, Spanish, French, uh, Czech, obviously. But my dad also uh, spoke Hindu. Why Hindu, you say? Because, uh, do you know Bada Shoes, the Bada Shoe Company? It, they have them yes. out here. Okay. Bada Shoes. They're huge in India. My dad introduced Bada Shoes to India in 1925 as an 18-year-old. He went to India because Mr. Bada was Czechoslovakian. Yep. And my dad worked for him, and they sent him there. My dad spent a few years in India, and he could learn a language virtually in a weekend. So he spoke Hindu very fluently. That's fantastic. That and is. What did what did it, what, what what was his game when you were growing up? Uh, he was. Uh, this is how. Here's something. How things have changed. He um, he worked as a sales manager for an export company, an American export company that exported. Tubes and televisions and radios and uh, phonographs to other countries overseas. Back when, uh, back when the US used to export stuff. That's right. And manufacture stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Luckily, it wasn't his business because I, I don't know the result, but uh, I can pretty much imagine that business no longer exists. Yeah. Well, I mean, your father, I dare say, is retired a little while now. Particularly once he passed away, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he really became lazy. What a Jewish that. work ethic. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, no, he, he actually, he, he died when he was 72, and he were, it was a Sunday afternoon. He was getting ready to go to work on Monday. No, I mean, that's yeah. what I wanted. If I, if I had ha- ever had a job, uh, I would want to die on Sunday. So, phew, if you'd had a job, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't do that. I don't believe nah, in that. Die on the company's time. That's my, uh, <laughs> that's my motto. So you... Um, you obviously so grew up. So you high school went to college in the states. Where did you go to yeah, college? University they call it here, but it was college. Yeah, uh, I actually went to a high school for gifted youngsters. No, really. Uh, <laughs> I know it's hard to believe, and I wish this was. Was that just to raise the self esteem of some the, of the other gifted youngsters? The the expression on your face when I said that it's a shame we didn't capture that on, on film. But um, yeah, no, it was a it was a. 
a school for gifted youngsters. I graduated in the bottom third of the class. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Bottom third. Bottom third in a gifted class is still... You see, I wish you had been my dad because <laughs> I was made to feel like I was a moron. That's a, I think that that might be a um, a common uh, common thread amongst children of immigrants. Though they always like the immigrants that work very very hard and want something very much better for their children. Well, this high school had a large, at the time, a large um, Jewish population. Now they moved the school to a different area. It's a it's a bigger school, but it's. The misrepresentation of an amount is uh, the number of Asian kids um, far outweighs what they are in the New York City population. People come from train subways all over the uh, all over the city. In fact, I lived. I was lucky. I lived right across the street, so it was walking distance. But every morning, we'd meet and we'd listen to the radio to see what subways were delayed. And then if a subway was delayed, we'd go to Vic's restaurant for breakfast and then we'd go to school and say, oh, the RR was delayed. You know, they did, then they'd stamp your pass, excuse, there was no record of it. The next day it was the A train. And they never, th- I mean, I mean, they never even looked up to see that, oh, it's the same, it's the same kid on a different train. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, it was. I was very proud of that. So, yeah, and you went to, where, where did you go for breakfast? Uh, Vic's restaurant. Vic's this restaurant. Was, this was, yeah, this was another classic uh, Vic Morosco, he must have weighed 300 pounds. It's to this day the best spaghetti sauce I've ever had. I think For breakfast? Ever... No, no, that was lunch. Went there for lunch uh, and dinner as well. It was the rest of my breakfast. He dropped in there for breakfast. Um... New York City is really a place where you can eat every meal. Out and out. cheaply. Yeah. And cheaply. Most most places, it's it's much cheaper to eat at home, but... New, New York, York City... it's amazing. We, um, even now, you know, you, you get home to, uh, when we stay in a hotel... You know, we just call Scotty's across the street and they bring over tuna and rye with lettuce, vanilla milkshake, and uh, Jan will have a pasta dish, and uh, Jan being my wife. And it's great. And, you know, here's, here's 10 bucks. <laughs> sort how, of thing. how often do you get back there? I was going every year. Um, I, I, look, I didn't... This is kind of sad. I didn't go from 1994 to 2009. That's not the, every year, Pete. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I didn't go, but it changed. And the reason I didn't go those 15 years... It's because I couldn't explain to the dog why I would be away. I could not tell him. I could not say to him, look, look, Walter, I mean, you've got to understand this. So once he, he, he passed, it's funny, I said, my, my, I said my, when my, somebody else died, but when I talked to the dog, I passed away much more respectful. Yeah, yeah. It's You're saying, talking about, oh, yeah, my dad died. Yeah, but yeah the dog passed away. The dog passed away, so. poor thing. Um, so I didn't visit for those 15 years. What year did your dad pass away? Uh, Tell me it wasn't within those 15 years. No, 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 no. No, I didn't go back for the funeral, though, because it would have meant I couldn't go on a trip later. I discussed that with my mom. Um, But it was either come back for, for like, a few days for the funeral or come back at Christmas time for six weeks. Was it a... I mean, you said your dad wasn't very religious, so I'm I'm assuming it wasn't a particularly religious... uh, burial anyway. I don't know, I wasn't there. Because that would be... Because I I, I, doesn't... Um, with the, In the Jewish faith, isn't it very much a, a, a short period between... Within three days. Yeah. Uh, officially, but yeah, so... You would have struggled there. to get back. I would have struggled to get there in time anyway, yes. Yeah, well, good excuse there. Plus, I, you know, he, I asked him if he wanted me to come and he didn't say anything. So it wasn't <laughs> that important. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, man. So New York City in the 60s... 50s and 60s. 50s and 60s. Yeah, I was trying to make you seem younger to our listener. But it was it was it was superb because it. In fact, an ex pupil of mine just sent me an article about New York in the 70s and how and I remember that how it deteriorated horrifically. Even uh, President Gerald Ford said um, the head the headline of the Daily News I think was Ford says New York can go to hell or something like that because they wouldn't bail him out. And New York was virtually bankrupt. Um, I mean, there were concerts done by Elton John to raise money, and they were even thinking of selling off part of Central Park. New York was virtually bankrupt in the 70s, and then in 2008, it virtually bankrupt most of the world. Too bad. No, no. Yeah, Yeah. that'll teach you. Yeah. Um, That's that's true. That's fascinating. So what year did did you come to Australia? 1976. And so, for so two you year, for two years, you bailed out at that point. You're like, oh. I really didn't. Well, look, my my university was um, was upstate New York anyway, and that was great 
there as well. What university is that? State University, State University of New York at Binghamton. Binghamton. Binghamton, New York. Yes. Um, what, what is, what's their claim? What are they known for? It's known as the Triple Cities. There's Binghamton. I'll tell you a big one. Binghamton, Johnson City, and Endicott. Endicott is where uh, IBM got its start. Oh wow! And there were people there because they they they. I mean, it was really working-class area. I mean, really working-class. And they couldn't pay complete their complete salaries to a lot of these people, so they gave them IBM shares. So now you have all these multi-millionaires <laughs> who are still working-class, and but they're rich. Oh, they're that, rich, yeah. That sounds like the dream, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, so what, what precipitated the move? It came out here. But was, so I went to university, got a degree in psychology, which... It's absolutely useless. Um, ever since the psychology factory shut down, and um, <laughs> yeah, no, you'd never hear about a successful psychologist. Pete. Not with a bachelor of arts, you don't. <laughs> you have to go further. Um, plus, my grades weren't all that good. Um, so uh, I, I did. I went to teach college, got teaching credentials. Um, could not find work in the states. I did. I did um, casual teaching, which is there called substitute teaching. And here in Australia, you get paid more per day than a regular teacher because you don't get the holidays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. But there you got, I was making $20 a day. Uh, this is in the uh, mid-70s. Now, I don't know what that translates to, but it was like a, a, a fifth of what a regular teacher would make or something to that effect. Oh, wow. So it's very hard to live on, um, much like comedy. And then there's no real work in the in the summer over there anyway. And there's no work. So it was those days, and that was it. So, I, you know, every time I'd apply for a job, they'd go, the old cliche, cliche. Um, you know, we want somebody with experience, blah, 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 how do you get experience, et cetera, et cetera. So I came out here for two years. Yep. And... Um, then something went horribly wrong, and I'm still here. <laughs> so you, you came out on a like a working visa as a teacher, or more than that? They, they, there was a there was a uh, shortage of teachers here, supposedly. Oh, really scraping the bottom of the barrel. Well, here's another thing. We went um, the, int, the the plane. I think there were like 400 teachers. It was the last plane load, and on it a plane load of teachers. A plane load of teachers. Where were our back then? <laughs> there were pencils and. Um, <laughs> And there was only one African American on the on the plane. I mean, it was, and he, all of us were like new teachers, first year out, never taught. He had five years experience in the inner city. He was a uh, he taught music. I got to talking to him, and I said, you know, what instrument do you play? And and very modestly, he put it. Well, when you teach music, you kind of have to play all of them. So oh. they would have picked one guy who was <laughs> the most talented, where the rest of us. Do, 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 do. And uh, so they send us, um, uh, so I came out here for two years and uh, just stayed. And I remember them uh, saying, you know, I was so excited when I first got my assignment. You're in Green Valley. Um, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And that's what I thought, you know. I thought, oh, God, finally got, finally something going my way. The rolling green hills and the valley and sheep grazing, those puffy white clouds. So I was talking to somebody at, at the university where we were having our orientation. And he said, well, where were you assigned? I go, oh, Green Valley, chest, chest puffed out. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> yeah, not green, not much of a valley. Yeah. Realistic. It's a hole. It was then, I mean, it was supposedly then, it was a fant. Like, I've taught in areas that was considered pretty bad. I feel lucky to have taught at both of them, Green Valley, Green Valley and the other one I taught at, I taught at Cabramatta for a long time. For 12, of the 18 years I taught, 12 of them were at Cabramatta. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so teaching, so teaching was obviously the job that brought you out here. Teaching, yeah. And, and, much, and I, I know, please feel free to make any comment you want, but I was a much better teacher than comic. Go ahead, okay. have, a, have a go, have a good... Yeah. Yeah. And yet you were still fired. Um, <laughs> I was not fired, I took him to court and won. Yeah, that's uh, that's know, a lot, very that's... American of you to do that. Were oh, you, they deserve were you, it. Were you scared you were going to lose your citizenship if you didn't sue someone? <laughs> Fortunately, I have dual citizenship, so if only one of the countries goes to war, I can go to the other one. And and with Donald oh, Trump, when's that ever very possible? <laughs> oh, I'd hate to th- I'd hate to think you guys would follow him. Yeah, that ends. Who knows? Yeah. That ends as treaties, uh, mm. a complex one. Um, 
Okay, so you brought up Donald Trump. I did. U.S. election. Uh, now this this currently we're probably this will probably come out uh, probably around the start of the financial new year. So we where, where's that in the primary season for the Democrats? Just finishing up. They've got Cal- California's the big one. Um, it is it's going to be Hillary Clinton anyway. With the, the the Bernie Sanders stays in it for for the platform. To get his point across, he's he's virtually even though he, I can't see him as a nominee, unfortunately, he has changed the way the Democrats gone from the um, centrist more to the left, which is you know I mean I mean the fact that you can make the minimum wage in America I think is now seven dollars and twenty five cents. You can work a forty hour week and still be under the poverty line. That's just wrong. Yeah, that's crazy. That's it's, crazy. It's also um, it's also yeah like. The, there's no point having creating more jobs if you've got to have three of them to to, to exactly. survive. That's right. That's and right. That's, that's a you, you realistically you need two minimum wage jobs just to make ends meet. Um, so you're as we've we you and I have uh, often discussed, you're a bleeding heart lefty. Absolutely. Yeah, good, and I like it. And um, so you're obviously you're more interested in the democratic side of things. Yes. So who who is your preferred out of... If I had a choice, it would be Bernie Sanders. I can't see that happening. I'm perfectly happy with Hillary Clinton. She's getting a lot of bad press. She has lied in the past, but I do like her because her positions are... They've moved to the left, but... Yeah, I know, I, I, do, I do like her. Um, I do think... I mean, the more I read about it and the more we've, as you say, we've discussed it... It's a, it's a, it, I mean, I hate Donald Trump, but he's right in when he says it's a rigged system. It's absolute that you have super delegates that um, that you you can just. It, it doesn't matter who you vote for. In 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 Pennsylvania, I think John Oliver was talking about this. In Pennsylvania, you go in and you vote for the delegates, but nowhere in the ballot does it say who the delegates are supporting. So you see, like uh, you know, Andrew Barnett. Have no idea who, who, which Democratic candidate you support. So you, you vote. For, why would you vote for him? And that's like the vast majority. That's the majority of delegates in Pennsylvania. It's it's a horrible system. And the Electoral College allowed George W. Bush to be president, even though uh, Al Gore got five hundred thousand more votes. Yeah, it's um, it it's a, certainly a very complicated system. Mm. And I, I gotta say, I don't really understand it. Um. And the, the the idea of superdelegates and, um, and and yeah, all that sort of stuff, in terms of just what you're taught, demo- the most basic uh, concept of what you're taught democracy is when you're first, mm. you know, a kid, um, doesn't seem right. But I, I, mean, I suppose there's there's reasons for that that have evolved over the years. But I think this election's going to be, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Um, this election seems <laughs> to be... Enough. You've never been one of my wives. <laughs> <laughs> no, and there's a good reason for that, Pete. Um, even if it is legal in your state of New York, I don't That's think I'd right. choose to country. do it. Mate. The whole country? Yeah, yeah, the whole country now. Well, New York was one of the early ones. So That's wasn't. correct. Uh, then the Supreme Court had it go out throughout the rest. Was that when Hillary was governor? Because she's a former New York governor. She was actually a former New York senator. She, was, she wasn't actually governor. Oh, sorry. I... Yeah, but no, no. Apologies. She was Secretary of State at the time. But it had nothing to do with that. It was the Supreme Court. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, actually, can I, can I go yeah, off? Yeah, go nice. A friend of mine um, was New York State Assemblyman. And more importantly, uh, in Playground 10, he was probably the... Not probably. He was definitely the best receiver in American football. Just the guy was fast, quick. He was great. And I was a quarterback. Uh, we played touch football because we played on concrete, which is why I've had a hip replacement, knee replacement. It doesn't matter. But... Um, he did a couple of things that were really, really good. One of them is when they allowed the um, mentally ill, all the mentally ill patients were allowed out. Uh, he yeah, wrote, that, that went through uh, pretty much, I think that went through just Western um, Western countries where there was a time when they just went institutionalization's bad, but didn't replace it with a whole lot else. But he did. He wrote the bill that said, his name's Stephen Sanders, not Bernie's, nothing to do with Bernie. But he wrote the bill that said that all the money that was spent on this, on the institutionalization, had to be spent on social programs, every cent. And it wasn't until uh, Pataki, Republican governor, 
kind of found a way around that. But the bill that he passed, like in 1997 this was passed, you could not discriminate based on religion, race, sex in New York State. You could fire somebody on the spot if they were gay. He wrote the bill that said, no, you can't do that anymore. And that's really impressive. He had to have for a while bodyguards because that's how controversial that kind of thing was at the time. Yeah, it's crazy to think about, because like, that's not that long ago. It's crazy no. to think how different adi- social attitudes are now. Yeah. Well, my lifetime, in 1967, um, in, it was still illegal in Virginia for an interracial couple to marry. And that's, my, and that's my lifetime. I, I, I turned 18 yeah. that year. Yep. That's ridiculous. It is, and that's... But it, uh, I suppose it's good. like it's it shows like you know how far things have come in some ways. In some but the ways, thing is, I love that. I love that. This is that's the, yeah. the classic social lefty progressive bleeding lefty hard bleeding yeah. hard lefty. Oh look, things are still terrible. But it's, it's still, like just at once acknowledge that we've come a long way. We've come a long way in yeah. that respect, absolutely. And now the negative. Go. It's marriage. <laughs> I mean, yeah. think, uh, of, think, of what the, think of what the prize is. <laughs> oh, boy. We, yeah, and, and after this, we're going to fight to be allowed to slam our penis in a car door. So what? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, I, um, so, so Hillary Clinton, so Bernie, let's, let's talk Bernie first. Yes. Why, why Bernie? What do you love because about that guy? For 30 it, years, apart from the fact that he's the only one maybe older than you in the campaign. No, uh, uh, well, they're, they're close. Hillary's older, and I think Trump's older. Hillary think, wears it better than you do. Um, yeah, well, she, she wears makeup. I rarely do, um, <laughs> except when I work at the shift bar. But um, uh, I like him because of all the things he has supported for the last 30 years. He's been on the right side of, uh, of pretty much everything, as, as we bleeding heart liberals feel. Yeah, yeah, so, and I, and when I when I call you a bleeding heart liberal, I'm not. Uh, I know I'm not particularly uh, far from you on uh, on no, those positions. So that's that's true. So I'll put myself in that camp, um, but I enjoy calling you a bleeding. Yeah, heart liberal. I, I enjoy hearing it. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> wear, wear it with somewhat of pride. Pride, yeah. Um, so, but Hillary, mm-hmm. yeah, obviously, you're predicting she's the nominee. Yeah, I'm almost sure. I think uh, everyone's most of the the established wisdom. Yeah. Uh, is saying that now, but that said, most of the established wisdom said Trump would never That's get the nomination. Yeah. This is, do, you, do you reckon this is an election, um, and particularly the primary um, campaigns, that's probably going to change a lot purely out of what the attention's been on? Because there's been more attention on process this election, this primary, yeah. and not that I've been following it particularly closely for a lot of years, but it seems to me there's been a lot of a lot more press on the on the how the process um, hmm. occurs. Like you said, the super delegates, all that sort of stuff. That's something that I, I don't recall ever really being talked about in depth, and it's, certainly not in any way like is this not questioning whether it's a whether it's right or not. Uh, it's a it's. It's a fairly recent phenomenon. I think I think it started in the 20th century. I mean, it has nothing to do with the founding fathers or anything like that. These Americans love those founding fathers. It, it, it irritates the hell out of me. The slave owning, um, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, I mean, really. is that the first thing people go to? To slave owning, which is like, yes, admittedly. Oh, you think that's a bad thing? No, I do. You think bleeding it's a bad hard thing. liberal, you. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's always the first thing that uh, people go. Oh, those slave owning. Rich white men. It's yes. Like, okay, yeah. The rich part I don't mind. I'd like to be one of them. Yeah, well, what about the white? They're allowed to be white. That's not their fault. That's not, but you, but the fact that you own somebody of a different colour is a bad thing. Well, you're allowed to own people of the same colour then? No, no, my, my point is not... And they were, by the way, they were black slave owners. Did you know that? Yes, okay. and there's been plenty of white slaves over the, the course of history. Slavery is not a good thing, but it's something that... Yes, that's true, they have been. Have I mean, I mean the, the Jewish people... Um, you know, let my people go. Yeah. Uh, uh, had exactly. it been my family, they would have insisted they go. Exactly, but in in classic American style. Are we going to just overdo that funny line? I just, are we just going to ignore that? <laughs> I'm sorry, we'll pause. <laughs> the funny line was, if it had been my family, the Pharaoh would have been saying, take your family and go. <laughs> I was I was going to edit in a laugh track for that. Please. <laughs> Is it too late? <laughs> so, Hillary. Yes. I think she'll make. I think she'll make a good president. Um... What I dislike about her is 
her lack of sincerity a lot of the time. For example, they asked her what her favorite book was. She goes, the Bible. Now, sure, her husband probably had a lot of them in drawers in the hotels he was staying in, but I really doubt that was her favorite you book. You know what? You know what I think? This is, and this is, I'm, I'm pretty cynical when it comes to my politics and, and in the same way, um, I think somewhat pragmatic. I think Hillary, as much as all the things that, that make you and me go, oh, she's a weirdo, I think are insubstantial to how good a politician, like but the actual, not a politician is in the politics of, of the deal making, all that sort of yeah. stuff and the, 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 the stuff that has to go on. But the actual policy making, like back to what a politician should be, like what that role is, yeah, is the policy making, policy setting leadership stuff. I think she's got better. She's got good ideas, and she has. She understands enough to actually put practical ideas in place. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Probably, probably better than she's Bernie. pragmatic. Yeah, Bernie's Bernie's an ideologue, who yeah. I think is, um, and he's great. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I, I like Bernie Sanders, but it's the, um, in terms of he's he's the voice you need, and this is where this has been a great primary for the exactly. Dem- Democrats. I think this is probably, if anything else, will strengthen the Democratic Party um, is that is that he's the ideologue keeping the politician honest. But I think she's the one who's able to to get stuff done. And I think that, that insincerity... I'd, I'd just love to see her in a candid moment. Yeah. Because uh, I, think, I think she's getting more vitriol than I think... And I, I don't know if it's because she's a woman or because... Of what it is, but like, what what's your take on her? Like, there's a tape of her thirteen minutes of lying. Yeah, around. but that's there's a tape of every politician. Yeah, but no, no, not lying. Bernie Sanders, not Bernie Sanders. That's the thing. Yeah, he but, doesn't lie. He doesn't have to. He doesn't care. I mean, yeah, it's, it, because it has, he it because he lying. knows he's never going to be the president. Exactly. But they're, they're, somebody somebody said, and I wish I had come up with this as many things. Uh, said Bernie Sanders is the president you want for the country you would like to have. Hillary Clinton is the president you'd have for the country you, you do have. Now. Yeah. yeah. And, but, I think that's brilliant. But I think, too, like, like, she's obviously politically not that far from Bill. That's right. Husband. And um, he's probably lied more, if not at least as much. Was there... I don't, do you reckon that's a reflection of the the age we're living in, where everything's recorded and scrutinised more, or do you reckon that's a reflection the fact that the fact that he there's where's the thirteen minute tape of him lying? Well, it's, mostly it's saying I did personal. not have sex with that woman. I did not have sex with that woman. This, uh, yeah. Also, did not have sex with that woman. Yeah, uh, yeah, so forth. But that's personal. I mean, I you, I wouldn't vote for him for husband, but I think he did a good job. Which is, do you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see Hillary Clinton president. I'd like to see her have an affair with an intern, and I'd like it to be the same intern. Yeah, I'd see. I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How good Just would that be? The first bit's for her. The second bit's for you. Isn't <laughs> a lot it? of it. Yeah. The, yeah. The um, I got a theory on their relationship because a lot of people like they get a lot of criticism on their relationship, and I get a, I get a bit of a theory in that um. You know, because people say, "Oh, you know, it's a it's a loveless marriage, or it's a marriage of convenience and marriage of power." I my theory is, it's pro- I think I know I know I'm a bit of a I, I like to take a good spin on things. I think probably that 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 is a marriage of a very much love, but it's an intellectual sort of thing because she's she's probably Bill Clinton is one of the smartest people on, scholar on earth. Um, she is one of the few people on earth that can match him. I, I know somebody who knows somebody who has a cousin, who has a friend, blah, 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 who knows both of them. And that person, if the story got back correctly, she's smarter than he is. And he's very smart. Yes. And she is. She's just, but she's just, as a lot of smart people are, she just doesn't function like she would be in the top of... of um, but who cares? As a, I, I agree. As a leader, I agree. who cares? Yeah, like, that's I agree. A, this, is, this is where, like, I, I just find, like, like, oh, we want him to be like us. And that's where she seems clunky. In yes, the, exactly. In, the, 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 in, in the, the cut and thrust of the campaign is she oh, she seems insincere. It's because she is being insincere. She's telling you stuff. She's trying to dumb down stuff to, to what we think, what she, her campaign advisors are telling us telling her that we want to hear. Well, well not we, but Americans want to hear. 
And so she's she's trying to play. I'd just love to see her be genuine at once. I'd Same. love to see her. And this is why I'm I'm looking forward to the debates. And I'd love to see her let off the leash yeah, going against oh, Donald Trump. Man. Because her She'd brain so against that guy. And yeah. just if she just uncensored herself, let him just gave it to him with both barrels. And I'm hoping that'll happen. Oh, it'll be fantastic. It should be so easy. It should be so yeah. easy to get this guy. And I think I think it will. I think I mean at the moment she can't focus all her guns on him. So uh she has to but Which is fine, there'll be yeah, time for that. There'll be plenty of time for that. And I reckon she'll she'll rip him to shreds. And I do, I but oh, sorry, back to my theory on their relationship. Oh, I do, you know, sorry. people go, oh, it's a loveless marriage or whatever. I think probably for Bill Clinton, she's the one woman that he can't impress. Yeah. Like she's she's, she's yeah. Like, that, yeah. It's that thing. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure she's like every other wife. She can roll her eyes a full 360 degrees. But uh, no, no, I agree with you. I'm sure they're in love. But look, I mean... I don't care. I don't think it matters for presidency. No, but, but I mean, he, he, you can see the temptation. Uh, gee, Bill, uh, would you like a blowjob? Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard, so to speak. I can see the temptation. And in spite of, oh, she's just an intern, she's young. I'm sure he got, excuse the pun, sucked in. Yes. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think, to be honest, I don't think the... Uh, the relative status of the person matters. No. Well, you the, can pretend any... Oh, yes, yeah. I'm President of the United States. Yeah, okay. But all the blood's going to leave from that part of my of me mm. and go somewhere else. Yeah, no. And that's what I, I think they're... Um, I, I'd love to hear some of their candid conversations just to, just to see... Monica and Bill or no, Bill and Hillary? Bill and Hillary. Yeah. I think that that'd be uh, fantastic because I, I guarantee she is the... Uh, She's the pants wearer in that relationship. She certainly is now. Yeah. Oh, I think she probably always was. Yeah. Mm. She's. But you know, I mean, to me, in my lifetime, and I mean, this is not yet in hindsight, so who knows? I think far and away the best president of our time is Barack Obama. I really do. And that's with he's done more with an absolute obstructionist. When the Senate gets together and says, "Oh, the Republicans get together," no matter what he says. We're going to be against it. Even bills that were introduced by the Republicans, he said, yeah, that's a good idea. All of a sudden, the, the people who introduced that bill have to go, no, I'm against it now. Their own bill. Yeah. It's, I, I, it's yeah. a messed up system. Where, where's Oswald when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right, where is he? He's dead. Jack Ruby shot him. Yes, um, yes. Do you ever wonder? <laughs> that's amazing. Do you have a theory on that? Do you remember I have Kennedy a theory being that shot? I don't know who. I do think there's. I, I think there's like a seventy-five percent chance there's more to it. If they let Jack Ruby in that day, known criminal, yeah, associated with the Chicago mob, was there anybody they weren't letting in? Yeah, yeah, but Jack Ruby also ran the strip club that the police uh, frequented. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so oh. you keep the you keep yeah. the guy on side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this They're was pro- literally I, the crime of the century. It was well, and hence why. Oh, yeah, I'd imagine he'd want to be there. And and you, I, I mean, I mean, yes, I'm sure you. I don't want doubt. To be like, there. I don't doubt that decision was. And plus, it wasn't made. You got to remember that decision was made by whoever the officer standing. Guard at the dock of the like at the entrance yeah. of the dock. Like he's, it's not like he a, did look surprised. I must say in the photos, he does look surprised. Oh, geez, how did that happen? Wonder if this is going to cause me problems. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my career kind of finished at this yeah. point in time. Maybe I'll try teaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anybody can do that. Um, yeah, also Ruby's excuse for killing him. I didn't want Jacqueline uh, Kennedy to have to go sit through a trial. What a lovely, lovely man. Nah. What a great guy. Yeah, I'm very suspicious. Yeah, you don't think, though, that if there was some conspiracy out there, like Jack Ruby, would, there'd be a, a deathbed confession from Jack Ruby? No. Why also, Why, yes. I'm part of a conspiracy. Why would I confess now and screw everything because up? Because people don't keep the secrets. They, they, they want to... There's always a... Um, and especially deathbed style, there's always that uh, turnaround of like, oh... I've got secrets that will not be known on my deathbed, I promise. 
I guarantee it. Yeah, oh, I mate, was, I'll be shouting. Yeah, I was the guy on the grassy knoll. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when Kennedy was shot? Uh, 1963. I, I had November, I had 14. I remember, I remember my, my uh, homeroom teacher, Miss Greenbaum, saying, um, Kennedy's been shot, he's been wounded. Um, at the time that, Looking back on it, she was very optimistic because it got worse. Well, that's how it was first reported. On yeah, it was. What a wound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I do I do think there's a conspiracy involved. I don't... Um, if I had to guess, I'd say CIA, possibly mafia, possibly pro-Cuban or anti-Cuban. I don't know. But I really don't think uh, Oswald was on his own firing that stupid gun that really... I mean, the too many coincidences... And yeah, this, but like, can you imagine now, with all the cell phones, you would have so much foot. You know, it's just the Zapruder film. Yeah, but now it would be every say, angle. It it doesn't matter in that in terms of conspiracy theories because um, I mean, nine eleven. There's still plenty of conspiracy theories. Yeah, about why, that, is that? why is that? Why is that? Because people like to think that there's rhyme and reason for things more than there is. Well, there actually is a conspiracy in the sense that uh, now, I mean, the paper's hidden saying supposedly Saudi Arabia was much more involved. I mean, Watergate was a conspiracy, and had that had they remembered to remove the tape from the door, nobody would have ever known. Yeah, there's um, there are conspiracies. Oh yeah, there are conspiracies. In fact, killing Kennedy was a conspiracy, even if it was just Oswald. I think for the definition of conspiracy, you need more than one person. He told us why. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But um, that's um, yeah. I think I think a lot of like personally, I think a lot of conspiracies come from the fact that we like to. Sometimes we like we don't like the feeling of random randomness. I hate it. I do. I hate it. Do you believe? Will you believe this conspiracy? The Kennedy thing. The Kennedy thing, I don't think there's any grand conspiracy behind it, um, purely because, um, and, and I know a lot of things don't line up, but uh, also a lot of logic that seems um, that seems sound at a time and place um, with hindsight looks ridiculous. So, the, the okay, for example, letting Jack Ruby into the... Into, into, Basically, into the basement of the um, police center. It's that that does seem like a crazy idea. And his reason for it, I didn't want Mrs. Kennedy. Can you believe a mafia owner of a strip joint, criminal goes yeah, so but, concerned about Jackie Kennedy? But that's really? what he. That's what he said. Exactly. Do you really think? Like, no, I don't. He really was overcome. He was pissed off. He liked. He okay. liked Kennedy. He just, or you know, he, he was a bit of a lunatic that didn't think he was going to be um, like, this is the guy that killed Kennedy. I don't think this is, you know, he thought he'd be a national hero. He's one of those visions of grandeur type guys. Really? Yeah, like people do. I know. People do dumb things. Every strip joint owner I've ever known really didn't have that attitude. But. (laughs) (laughs) um, And you've known a few. I wish I had. Um, That discount is really. um, There was another. Oh, what was it? I had another question, Kennedy. Gone. This is what happens. Well, this is a good pod. <laughs> <laughs> so when actually, so did they? Now this is something that I you know, I don't know. Did the conspiracy theories start early? Oh, that's what I want to say. The Warren Commission, yes, has been discredited. It was done. I mean, you can say whatever you like, even if you don't believe it was a conspiracy. The Warren Commission was was put together. And it had to come out, it had to be done quickly, it had to come, so World War III didn't start. It had to come out, uh, bef- Johnson wanted it before the uh, election, before mm. the 64 election. So it's really not a good job. So even people who were, I believe, on the Warren Commission have disavowed it, saying, no, we didn't do that thorough job. They've been... Oh, I'm not saying, I'm not yeah. saying the Warren Commission and the official version are 100% correct. Not even What close. I'm saying is I, I don't really, I, like... Involvement of CIA or involvement of large, um, any large organization, the, I don't, the, the unseen hand. That's but it wasn't all of the CIA. It would have been a rogue element of the CIA. It would have been saying, you know, this guy wants out of Vietnam. 
how are we going to maintain, you know. But he also wanted into Cuba, so let's... Well, he, he didn't. He pulled them at the last, as you know, the Bay of Pigs. He pulled the Air Force at the last minute. He, he admitted that was a mistake. He was, yeah. By the way, there, there was a bad, uh, a stressful day for me, the day of uh, um, when they, the confrontation with the Russians, whether the Russian ships were going to turn around or not. I mean, I thought that could be my last day on Earth. Oh, really? Oh, God, yes. That was horrific. How old were you then? Um, I think I would have been 13 at the time. And 13. I, and I really, you know, I mean, they talk now, you know, ISIS and what a horrible world it is. I used to go to bed at night thinking, the end of the world, you're going to have to read my book someday. The end of the world is coming. You should this write your book one I day. did write it. It's finished. Have you really? I have, yeah. Just, I, yeah, I have a book. You have a book? Is it published? No. Okay. I haven't even sent it to a publisher. Uh, but, um, no, I really, I mean, they used to be, they used to put on the, on the TV something, you'd be watching a TV program, and they'd put on Bulletin. And you'd go, oh, my God, they're going to announce that Russian planes are on their way, and we have 30 minutes to get underneath the table and face away from the glass. Which sounds crazy, crazy now to us. Um, scary. Because I, I do think... You know, the, yeah, the world is very different, and we're much more. We feel much more secure, despite terrorism and all that sort yeah. of stuff. We feel much more secure than probably you did then. But there's also too, like, look at it from the perspective of you're the son of essentially two refugees mm. of stuff that wouldn't have um, that before it happened seemed like worst case scenario. Yeah, stuff like that's. That that how did your like how were your parents with that sort of stuff were they were they affected by the this is how bad stuff could go was there a pessimism there or were they I, re, I you know what I I don't remember that I mean they the, the, we were all anti communist of course because communism was just evil and, and that's why they have an American uh, money now and uh, in the Pledge of Allegiance in God we trust. I mean, that was Eisenhower putting in because we're going to... Those godless commies. But, uh, no, I, I was just, it was just the most horrible feeling. And I remember when the um, blackout, New York's first New York City blackout, I was, out, I was outside with Richard Wicken, Claire Heafy, and Judy Atala, all of whom I'm still in touch with. And these two planes fly overhead fairly low for whatever reason. And then all of a sudden, all the lights go out. And I'm thinking, this is it. This is it. Now, had I known what I know now, I would have said, Judy, Claire, I've never had sex. C- could we? <laughs> yeah, this is This is, this is the end. Yeah. Um, but I didn't think of it at the time. I'd hate for you to go, like, leave life not being disappointed. So. <laughs> Ladies, I'd like to disappoint both of you at the same time. How old were you at this stage? 1965, I would have been, that was November. Uh, I think I would have been 16. Six to, oh. Yes, I've just admitted I'm still a 16-year-old virgin. Yeah, and any day now, that's going to change. <laughs> After two marriages, or <laughs> mm. one still present. <laughs> oh, mate! Well, thank you very much for coming down. Oh, thank you and for having me. I've had a really good time. Yeah, it's not just the beer talking. No, no, it's it's, <laughs> it's interesting to um to hear your background. Obviously, uh, at some stage, I'll get you back, please, and uh, we'll do this again. But thank you very much, uh, Peter Mizell. Pleasure. Thank you. Is the floor coming down now? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Thank you.